This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I think I'm doing a whole lot better than the two of you. I mean, you guys look (laughs) like you are out of it today, but let me tell you what. Today, on my run, we had the first leaf catch of the season. Ooh, baby. As far as I know, I'm leading the crew one to nothing to nothing in leaf catches, the season has began. I am the you know leader in the clubhouse, and I'm just uh, you know ready to roll. You guys look like you're just you know out of it. You look tired and exhausted and frazzled, and I'm over here just just dominating. I mean, it went from the highs of the Patriots winning to the lows of the Celtics getting knocked out of the playoffs last night. Wasn't a great. Didn't end the night on a great note. But as always, at the house of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Gentlemen, I. Uh, and Michael specifically, I think your description of me tonight might be on point. I am feeling a little frazzled right now. One of those crazy days. Uh, I was just kind of, you know, just commiserating with Steve about that feeling today. I was actually riding my bike home, right? Thinking about, you know, rushing home to get ready for the pod. Thinking about how I was going to start the show. Always a little stressed. Like, what is my little, you know, intro going to be here? And then I kind of spaced out and, and I look up. And I'm, I'm in the middle of Cambridge. And like, this is not how I, I get home from my, my work in Boston. Like I just somehow zoned out and was just driving or riding my bike, like straight to the city. When you're on a bike, you should probably be pretty focused, right? There's a lot of <laughs> obstacles out there, a lot of things to run into. But I kind of come out of my, my days here and I realize I missed my turn. And then, you know, you have that split second. And you're like, did I miss my turn? Or do I just like not recognize where I am right now whatsoever? Uh, so eventually I recover and I got home, but that, that shows the kind of, you know, haze I was living through today that I was just riding my bike completely aimlessly, you know, through the greater Boston area. Trento, I have a, I have a theory. I think you are still not mentally right from your squirrel experience last week. Oh boy, Michael, <laughs> this is how <laughs> the suppression of my guilt and, the the noises I heard comes out. It comes out in me just like spacing out and random, like randomly showing up different places on my bicycle. Um, this could get very interesting because there's a lot of suppressed feelings there. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what it is for me, other than the Celtics getting knocked out last night, is for me, when you come out of summer, oh, yeah, nice. It's been a while since we've thrown one of those guys in there. <laughs> When you come out of when you come out of summer and you know you get the high of those like first really cool fall days, you know it's it's sweatshirt weather out of nowhere. You know it feels like fall. It feels like football season. It's just the best weather in the world. We've said it so many times on this podcast. It's the best running weather in the world. And then out of nowhere in late September, you get hit with those couple of really hot, muggy, gross days. And like internally, I'm just I'm on to fall. Like I could not be further away from the summer and my body just isn't ready for it. So having to turn the air conditioner back on last night, waking up in the hot, gross, muggy air. It's just like, I'm, I'm just, I'm done with this. I can't do it. And that's probably part of the reason I'm in such a fog today. 
I couldn't be on more of a different page than you guys. What? Today. I, this weekend was the first weekend in like seven months that I finally got off of the coast of Connecticut and, you know, traveled outside of that great state. And while you were turning your AC on and worrying about the hot munginess, I was on a boat in the middle of a lake, laying in the water, drinking some, you know, Vermont craft beers, just living the good life. I mean, I, it's amazing. I feel like for the first time in a long time, I am, you know, the positive vibe on this, on this podcast. You guys are just bringing me down over here. Well, look at you. Good for you, Mike. You're on a boat drinking craft beer. Um, That's right. You know, better believe um, it. I'm, I'm getting backdoored left and right on NFL football games, losing bets that I had been winning for three and a half quarters. And then it, it, within the last three minutes of every single friggin' football game, it all just, it all just goes to hell. It all just, I'm celebrating for three and a half quarters and then it just all goes to hell in the, in the, in the last couple minutes. And it's just, it's ruining my weekends. It's ruining my Sundays. I'm, I'm, I need a break from football season. It's I never possible that, <laughs> it's possible that I'm overcompensating from, for some of that stuff as well, Steve. But, <laughs> but so I did have one kind of weird thing that happened to me that I, I wanted to run by you guys. So I'm on my run today and, uh, there hasn't been a whole lot of running going on in my life recently. Let's just throw that out there and make it recently. <laughs> but uh, so I'm on a nice little slow jog, just kind of enjoying, you know, the leaves and the weather. Like I said, I got my first leaf catch and uh, I'm running by a the public park in my town. And there's two guys playing tennis on the tennis courts. And um, I'd say they're both like in their like mid fifties, but they were pretty decent tennis players and they were smashing it back and forth and on my jog by this like one point is lasting forever it was one of the most incredible points i've ever seen they're going back and forth and finally one of the guys goes from one edge of the court barely gets his racket on he gets sent to the other side of the court again barely gets his racket on the guy goes to smash it on him and in desperation the guy just switches hands and just kind of like flails his other arm in the air barely catches the ball gets it in they both like lay down in exhaustion and i just stand there and i start clapping i'm like let's go that was unreal and the two of them stand up and look at me like i am the biggest moron and jerk (laughs) in the world i'm standing there i just watched the most incredible point and i'm trying to celebrate it i don't even care who won it and it's like i I guess i just need you guys to tell me that i'm not in the wrong here like i I, definitely not Definitely not. We've we've all we've all been there where we've done something incredibly athletic and we look around to see who starts. Exactly. Right? Like like if it's you know even if it's just like throwing a water bottle across the room into like a trash can and you hit it, you like the first thing you do is look around. So shame on those guys. You know if they had this point that was just you know one of the best points they've ever played in their life, like Sports Center top ten highlight material, and they're in the middle of Vermont and there's one guy and that's you there to see it and you cheer for them. I mean I would go nuts. I'd be so happy that somebody saw it. What is, what is with people these days? Last week, Steve was telling this great story, how he came up, he talked to the guy that was decked out in the Bowerman it's, gear yes. and had all the running gear on, and he looked at Steve like he had six heads after you went up and you know, said hello and introduced yourself. Mikey over here is, is congratulating a couple of washed-up athletes, it sounds like, like living, you know, finding a little bit of their glory day 
you know, digging in deep to see what they still got. And you're just going over there. You're celebrating, right? Just everybody loves celebrations. Who doesn't like to celebrate? Everybody loves celebrations. Yeah. And they're it, looking at you like you have six heads. What's wrong with people? I don't know. You know I, what I thought I was going to make their day. It was insane. You know what it is? It's, it's coronavirus. It's the quarantine. We don't know how to interact with other human beings anymore. Maybe The yeah. past six months has just completely ruined our brains. Somebody tries to interact with you from outside of your house. You have no idea what to do. It's true. It's very true. And I mean, hey, if that guy from the grocery store that, uh, you know, I approached and gave a, a peak, too, peak too early business card to and the Bowerman uh, t-shirt started listening to the podcast, I mean, he's on his third Bowerman Track Club athlete in a row. So, I mean, this guy's got to be a diehard fan by now. What I mean, is we a, are just We're just the biggest BTC yeah, what, I mean, what, what, what a 180. What a 180 we've taken. <laughs> and did you see, um, uh, I don't know, it, it, she just posted it on Instagram this afternoon. You guys may have missed it, but uh, Sinclair Johnson is officially making the move to, to, B, uh, to BTC. She, was, uh, she posted a picture in a, in a moving van or a, a moving truck with all of her stuff in it, and she was wearing a Bowerman Track Club t-shirt, and she said, I'm on my way to Portland. So another, another uh, friend of the program on her way to, to join BTC. She was like an original friend of the program too from the early yeah, days. Yeah, way back. So. Uh, maybe we had a little part to play in getting her the publicity, you know, <laughs> and the motivation to run well to get signed with the with BTC. Yeah, BTC is now using us as a uh, recruiting tool. They're just That's like, right. oh man, these these guys got a good eye for athletes. Let's just start, you know, scrolling through their episodes, <laughs> see uh, see who we want to recruit here. Had nothing uh, to do with her. Had nothing to do with their national championship. Nope. Hmm. Uh, I mean, even if it did, I think you know we just we discovered that we we saw the talent there, so. Uh, but before we get too far off and get into our interview here, we do have one news story I want to get into. Oh, shoot. This is probably usually the part that Steve, you know, introduces the news and then we play the music. So, Steve, why don't hey, you hey Mike. say hey, Mike. first? Hey, Mike, why don't we kick off the running news? There it is. All right. So... <laughs> Did you guys read this story? I sent it late. I know. I, Trent, I won't even give you a hard time. You're gonna, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to give us the details, Wait, here, Mike. Before I was, I was on a Trent vacation this weekend, so I, you know, the 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 show notes came quite late this week. I just have to say, this is gonna be my take on it, but I'll go now. So this, I don't, without giving it away, the news story is uh, from the Anchorage Daily News, right? Yep. And so you sent the link. I went on the website. And I got the little pop-up saying, you've reached your article limit for the month. And I'm just thinking, like, what the hell am I reading on the Anchorage <laughs> Daily News that is preventing me from reading this story? Like, how much have I – I have no idea what I could possibly be reading on the Anchorage Daily News. So, no, I did not read the article. I did try. But apparently, I'm one of the, like, only readers in the Anchorage Daily News that I can't read the free articles anymore. Why does the Anchorage Daily News have a monthly limit? <laughs> They're trying they, to make the money. Well, is Alaska all newspapers like, do? I guess I was thinking maybe Alaska like only Dying. has so much like gigabytes of like internet <laughs> that they're you know so they have to like slowly you know divvy up who who gets to read the articles where enough. But it's a right, dying so, industry. They get a squeeze. You know, podcasts that are trying to get news for their, for their that's uh, right podcast. All right. So since you both didn't read the article, which I expected, like I said, that one was on me. I'll give you the gist of it here. So basically, Alaska high school cross country is back in action. They're having a season. 
But some of the coaches are a little upset because of the rules that are going in place here. So usually for like their state championship meet, like most states, they have a qualifying process where you can qualify as a team. You know, maybe it's like based on region or whatever. And then you have a certain amount of individuals that can qualify, right? So you can either, you know, if you're a stud who isn't on a team that's good enough to make the state championship, usually like the top 10 or 15 or however many still go to the state championship as an individual. Fair enough, right? So what Alaska has decided to do is to remove the team qualifying and just have it individual qualifying. So there's no team championship. It's just strictly individual qualification and individual state championship. What do we think of this? First reaction is just like, ouch. I mean, the beauty of cross country is the team sport, right? It, it's being out there with your guys uh, or your ladies and, and running as a team. Um, and just like that connection that's there that may not be as strong during like indoor or outdoor track. So that's tough. And I, and I wish they maybe thought about only inviting a fewer teams rather than, you know, just cutting out um, all together and only doing individuals. However, I mean, shout out to anybody that's running cross country right now. I'm not going to like give Alaska flack for trying to put a meat on and getting creative on how to have a state championship. I mean, you get the best guys out there, the best girls out there, they get to run, they get to do their thing. So anyone that's like up in arms about it, it's like, I mean, I'm just glad that people are, are, are getting people out there on the track. So, or on the, on the course. So, um, it's, it's a weird situation, but I'm not going to be like an, an uproar over it. I'm in an uproar. <laughs> this is so dumb. This is glorified track meet, right? Like, what, what are we doing here? Cross country is a team sport, right? And, and the whole point of this is to win and lose as a team. Yes, there's going to be some individuals that absolutely belong at the, at the state championship that now don't get to go. But guess what? In every single sport, there's standout athletes that don't get to go to the state championship because they're not on a good enough team. Cross country is a team sport your individual efforts come later on in on on the on the track not in cross country so if you have to pick one or the other it has to be the team qualifying yeah it's a great point Steve I think about like you know you look at like major league baseball Mike Trout when was the last time that guy was able to make a playoff run right we shouldn't be changing the sport because Mike Trout's the best player in baseball but also I mean there has to be a different way around this right just find out how many people you want to run in this race and lower the number of teams and then still have like your top, like five or 10 individuals. There's still a way to round this, but it's like, what's the point of running a cross country state championship without a team winner? I mean, I can't just cut out, just cut out two teams. Right. So say like, so say I, I have no idea, but say 20 team qualify, 20 teams you typically qualify or whatever, you know, cut off, you know, two to five teams and then fill those in with individual qualifiers. This is a right. team sport. I'm not, I, 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 you'll never convince me that the individuals are supposed to be. There. Well, if, if there's only so few people that they're going to want, what, what if they only want like, you know, 20 or 30 people in each race, right? Then, then how are you going to have a full team there? But what if you did like, instead of getting seven guys on the line, you only get like four guys on the line and then, and then three people score. I think I would rather see that like a modified team version of it rather than going to individuals. I'm, I'm trying to think, like, Mike, did it say how many runners get to run? I, I think you get to run 
Uh, oh, no, no, I, I mean, like, saying. how many total so, runners are in the race? I would, I would, I would agree with, okay, say, say like, seven people. You can run seven people and cut that down to five. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily agree with going less than five. I feel like you have to have that five. All right, so here's what it is. Last year, there was a total of 460 total participants. The goal this year is to cut that in half and have no more than 208 participants. Okay, so, plenty. Yeah. What well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's insane. There's, there's way too many teams that qualify for these meets anyway, right? There's teams that go exactly. that now have a yep. shot at like a top three or top five finish. Just bring the best, what is it, 200 kids or so? So you get to bring the best like 12 teams. Yeah, I mean, the only people who are indifferent to this are like, you know, the top like 10 individuals who their team didn't have a chance to qualify anyway. So it's really about their individual performance anyway. So to them, it's like, all right, yeah, this is no big deal. But everybody else, even the good runners on good teams, they're not happy about this. They're not pumped about this, right? Like they wanted to go to States as a team. And I, I don't know. I mean, this is, it, it just seems like the wrong way to, and this is, a, you know, a lot to do about uh, Alaska high school cross country, but to, I'll be honest with you, there's not a whole lot in the news today. So we needed something to get angry no, I about. Think, so I that's think what I went good, with. I think it's a good debate. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of a comparison and this would be like, and I don't think this is a perfect comparison, but it's like the best that I can think of off the top of my head. This would be like if they decided to cancel the NBA All-Star game but go forward with the skills competition. Is that a good comparison? Steve. Sure. Steve, just the basketball references for you. I know. Just, I don't know what to, it is. I don't know it's what like it a is. Point, it's like a point of pride for you. Like, to me, that seemed like a bit of a stretch comparison, and it was almost like, the last 20 minutes you weren't listening to our conversation it's like all right i gotta find a wild basketball oh come on come on that's a good comparison (laughs) that's a good comparison you take out the individual individual element you're just focusing on or you're taking out the team element and you're just focusing on the individual development it might be more like that's my whole point it's not the sport the sport is a team sport you cancel the playoffs you have the all-star game i like that all right that's a better comparison regardless i want to just jump on steve's outrage train because i was under the impression they were running like 20 to 30 kids in each race and so like how do you do a team sport like that if they're doing 200 i'm totally on the outrage train with steve totally agree all right gentlemen i mean that's all we got for the news today slow note news week that's it all right so let's get into our interview now with 2017 5k ncaa national champion he's now a member of the bowerman track club our third bowerman track club guest in a row grant fisher guys i had a great time talking to grant this was a this was a great conversation i mean we uh we squashed some beef if it's for our ogs way back you know to one of our our actually our our original interview with morgan mcdonald we tried to manufacture some beef that didn't work out too well but he brought up the paul chalimo lopez lamong beef and we talked a little bit about that i was i was pretty pumped when we brought that up guys for sure yeah i mean i mean to hit your initial point there steve um i I mean it's coming off pretty ridiculous but i mean i can't hold on to these beefs every time we have somebody on who i i come into these interviews and i like want to address my beef with them and then i give up so easily um i'm a coward (laughs) Uh, i address that there but yeah i mean the real beef he gets into, you know, how he, the whole team was kind of in on the text exchange and how they were kind of formulating the responses. And I, we kind of like talked about that earlier, how like, well, like 
positioned and well written the responses were and kind of the strategy behind them and I love hearing that the team was kind of like in on making sure that it was you know the the everything was perfect for the responses I mean it got me fired up for sure I was not expecting to to hear about that yeah we let this let this beef go untalked about for too long I'm glad that uh Grant brought it up for us here because it's getting me excited for when they finally do maybe get back on a track again at some point, right? And, and track is back to normal and then the guys are duking it out. So uh, we need to we need to remember these beefs and hold the athletes accountable to keep talking trash after maybe there's a break in the trash. But thank you, Grant, for that. All right, let's talk to him. I just I just saw this uh, this sick line that that Barman just dropped with uh, they had some, I saw the flannels those look awesome some cool sweatshirts but you were the star of the commercial it was you <laughs> and Shelby Hulahan running around in the new gear yeah yeah we uh, we shot that maybe like three weeks ago it was super fun um, I think I got picked by default I was like the only guy in town when it the film so <laughs> so I got picked which was awesome and yeah the gear is super nice. Um, yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, so you yeah. headed off to like acting class now? You're going to start getting into this stuff? Yeah, I mean, who knows? Yeah, the, the shoes are awesome, though. I, I do like the pegs, the new pegs. I, yeah, like, I'm kind of, yeah, I, sh- I should say that. I'm supposed to say that. But like, <laughs> I, <laughs> Imagine if you just came on here and just like, yeah, the commercial was cool, but the gear is just trash, man. That would, yeah, yeah. I don't think that would go over well. <laughs> Yeah, don't buy the gear. <laughs> so, so what, like, what is this like filming a, a commercial, right? especially a commercial for you know Nike? That, that's a that's a, a pretty big deal. Are you guys having to take a, a bunch of different takes? Are you getting it on the first try? Is it you know an all day affair? What, what's what does this look like? Yeah, um, so that was my first like legitimate shoot um, that I've ever done. Um, I was actually talking to to Evan this morning about how long it took. I did not expect, you know, the commercial was maybe 40 seconds and there was probably 10 to 15 seconds of me actually in it. Um, and to get those 10 to 15 seconds, it was about four hours of shooting. Um, and yeah, essentially the, the, yeah, how it went was we just did a ton of takes. Um, and every single take I was doing a stride, um, so I was pretty wiped out by the end. Um, I mean, thank, it was during off season, so it didn't really matter. But um, yeah, it would be a, an all out sprint down a city block. And then, you know, they'd check out the footage and maybe I was like a little out of focus. So we'd have to go back and do it again. Or the camera settings weren't perfect. So we'd have to do it again. Or yeah, we drove all over Portland to different spots, getting different shots. Um, it was fun. I, I fully I expected you. I fully expected you to be like, bro, did you see the commercial? I ran for like 10 seconds. How much time do you think I spent on this? But apparently <laughs> I spent all day. Yeah, yeah. It's, it took a while. Yeah, I was talking to Evan. He said he's been in shoots where it's been like nine hours in a day um, to make a, either just still photos or actual video. Um, it takes a long time. I didn't realize how long it took. Yeah. Jeez. So you said you, you did it during, you were kind of in a little bit of an off season when you did it, but are you ramping back up now? Are you kind of done with the off season? Where, where are you at right now? Yeah. So we are, 
ramping back up. First workout is tomorrow, actually. Um, so we had maybe a month and a half to two months where we could kind of go wherever we wanted. Um, we were still training, like building up mileage and stuff, but we could, I, I guess this year was a little different. You can really go wherever you wanted, but um, it, it's basically like time away. You keep training, but um, there's no hard workouts. Um, your mileage is down and you like kind of rebuild. So it's definitely like a, like a mental and emotional kind of reset. Um, but I'm back to running about maybe like 70, 75 miles now a week. Um, and we'll can continue building. I think a lot of people are kind of on, on their way up. Um, so yeah, workouts start tomorrow. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. Start to a fun year, hopefully an Olympic year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the running is fun, right? And I'm sure you get to talk a little about that. But let's let's dive more in this off season of yours. So did you stay in in Oregon? Is that um, what you were saying about being around for the commercial? Um, yeah, I was around for that. I was kind of in and out. Um, I went up to Bend for a little bit, Bend, Oregon, um, which was really fun. Um, it's kind of like a outdoorsy mountain town, pretty close to Portland. Um, so that was super fun. I spent a decent amount of time in Texas seeing my parents um hanging with them uh so that was nice just like relaxing being at home and it's nice like going home your your mom cooking for you and hanging out and um yeah it, it's it is great so um yeah some people kind of went home some people went and saw friends like people were kind of hesitant to do anything big just because of the pandemic and stuff um so in a typical off season from what I've heard, I guess this is my first pro off season. People right. will go travel, go to Europe, you know, um, do big stuff like that, but that just wasn't in the cards. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of chilling, a lot of hanging out. Um, my girlfriend was in town for a little bit, so I got to hang with her. Um, got to see my sister a little bit. So yeah, it, it was, it was chill. I mean, nothing crazy, you know, we weren't going to, yeah, to Europe or anything doing, doing stuff like that. So yeah. Any like also weird hobbies that you picked going up? on right now? Wait, did you but, say weird hobbies? Is there any weird hobbies? Spend those afternoons, those chill afternoons? Um, nothing too weird. I've been playing a lot of soccer. Um, I, I, I like soccer a lot. Grew up playing. My sister played in college. My little brother plays in college right now. Um, so working on my, my juggling, which is pretty fun. <laughs> working on some tricks. Um, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting pretty decent at it. It's, it's pretty fun um but yeah i mean that's not that interesting <laughs> all right so grant i gotta be i gotta be completely honest with you here right we're we're big cowards on this on this podcast right so we we kind of had a little bit of beef with bowerman track club before and then we had evan on we have vanessa on uh we had marielle on a while ago and now that's all it took we squashed our beef we are sure. like the biggest btc fans in the world you're not going to find a bigger Bowerman Track Club podcast but so now I want to take you back to like our one of our very first episodes and our very first ep guest ever was Morgan McDonald and we became massive Morgan fans right and we early on decided like all right what, we need to start having like enemies and rivals and because Morgan was our guy we were just I just decided I was an anti- you know, Grant Fisher guy, you know, I, I just had, for whatever reason decided I, I was against you, but now you come on here and you seem like the coolest, nicest, chillest guy in the world. And I'm a coward. I'm already giving it up. 
you're you know you're in our good graces now so all right i just i just had to come clean with you here we, we I was had wondering what he's gonna come clean with that yeah i i had yeah to no that's funny yeah it would have been would have been funny to have us both on like right when we were both in college because we we were having battles like every every few weeks we'd have some some good battles so yeah um yeah morgan's a great guy i like morgan well, part of our part of our, our thought process was like, all right, how do we make this more more fun? How do we make it more yeah, fun yeah. to to watch? We're like, we gotta create rivalries, right? And we gotta <laughs> like manufacture and like everybody's so cool. Everybody we talk to is so nice, so cool. And like, I think the environment of the sport was you're pretty chill with everybody you're racing against. And so like everything that we're trying to do, try to create rivalries, try to create you know this this manufactured beef. It just wasn't sticking because that's just not the way the sport is, you know. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Like, it is interesting how the sport relative to other ones, you know, there's not as much trash talk, there's not as much beef, there's no like, or not as many long standing, like rivalries that are exciting to watch as a fan. Um, so it is kind of interesting. Um, yeah, that that dynamic, that excitement kind of that is in other sports, like whether it's the NBA or, or the NFL or something, there's, there's all those little beefs. I feel like there aren't as many in track. Um, but when they do pop up, they're exciting. Like, yeah. Uh, like I know when I first joined the team, Lopez and oh, yeah. uh, Paul Salimo had a little beef going. Um, so that was entertaining on our end. You know, Lopez would come to us and we'd talk about like Instagram captions and talk about, uh, you know, how to fire back and, um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting when stuff like that happens. It does bring some spice to the sport. So you were you involved in that whole, like, Instagram beef that they had going on? You were, you were bouncing – he was bouncing ideas off you? <laughs> Did you come up with any of the good one-liners? Uh, no, most of them were, were Lopez. I think, I think it was more like – it was more he would – I was new to the team, too. I just met all these people. So I, my opinion didn't have very much weight. <laughs> but um, – yeah, Lopez would come and, and brainstorm a bunch of ideas and they'd go back and forth. And um, I mean, it was it was fun. I, I think Lopez was having fun. I think Paul was having fun too. Like, it was just entertaining for sure. Well, that's a lot of fun. You can admit it yourself, Grant. Let's create a rivalry right now. Let's talk some trash. We tried to get Morgan to talk shit about you. He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't take the bait. But this is your opportunity, Grant. Is there anybody out there that you just want to call out? It can be podcasters. It can be runners, whoever. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. If, yeah. I mean, you also tell me that Morgan didn't take the bait. It makes me really want to not take the bait. You know, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. No, no, no. That's, that's even more of a reason to take the bait. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't have any longstanding beefs with anybody. Nobody's really ever crossed me the wrong way. I don't feel like, I don't feel, feel like it's too warranted. Um, sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to manufacture some more. Honey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe now that, and then voiceover. Now that <laughs> now that you're on our good side, we're gonna have to find another uh, somebody else to create a rivalry with. But so I mean, you brought it up, and I don't, I don't want to go away from this too quickly. We'll, we'll move on, on from it eventually. But so the whole Lopez and Chilimo thing there. So y you kind of made it sound like most of it was in good fun, and that's great. But for fans of the sport like us, like we want so badly for that stuff to be real, and I think in our heart we know that most of it is kind of like manufactured and good fun, but was there at least from your perspective, a small part of it that was, you know, rooted in some animosity and, you know, a budding rivalry, right? Was there a little bit where Lopez was like, Oh man, I can't wait to get on the track and beat this guy. Yeah. I mean, 
there certainly was an element of that. You know, Lopez is very competitive, as we all are. And, you know, Paul was kind of saying some things about BTC as a whole um, that a lot of people didn't, didn't take too kindly to. Um, yeah, I, I just joined the team and, you know, what being on BTC was and like the pride that people take in it was kind of new to me. Um, but people were definitely upset. I, he made a few comments about, yeah, the team as a whole. Um, and I think that did rub some people the wrong way. Uh, so yeah, I do think there was some, uh, some offense taken to some of the comments, but, um, there was also the, this is kind of fun element, um, <laughs> especially from, from Lopez and some of the older guys that knew him pretty well, um, of that, like back and forth. Um, yeah, I, there, there was definitely a, an element of fun and a, a little bit of an element probably on both sides of, um, yeah, you're coming after me. I'm going to come after you. Um, so yeah. Oh, we love it. I mean, that, that gave us content for a week, so we, we really enjoyed it. But Oh yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> so, Hey, I, I do, I want to bring you back, uh, so to 2018. So in 2017, you won the, uh, the national championship in the 5k. So I think it, it I mean, it was, the first time an underclassman had won in a, in a really long time, a national championship like that. And I remember in 2018, there was an interview and I actually, I stumbled upon it, you know, when we were kind of doing research for this podcast, but you said that, you know, winning that national championship as a sophomore was one of the worst things that could have happened to you in your career. And I understand what you were saying at that point where it was like, it kind of changed your perspective a little bit. It maybe changed how, how much you focus on the sport. And I get it in that, what you were saying in that time having graduated, having moved on to a pro career, do you have a different perspective on that now? Um, yeah, saying it was the worst thing that ever happened might, might have been a little extreme. <laughs> I mean, it was still a national championship. Like, I, I mean, there are so many pros that have been really successful that as a pro that never won NCAA championships. So I don't, I think looking back, I may have discredited what it meant um, a little bit. Um, yeah, I do think it kind of spiraled my junior year by, by winning that championship. And it, it wasn't the act of winning it that, that was the issue. It was kind of how I approached the following year because I knew I had won one. Um, so yeah, perhaps my comment was a little mis misleading. Yeah. It was more like, especially looking back now, I mean, I thought I was the man, like, <laughs> I thought I could win any race I was in, you know, everyone was telling me that stat that you said, you know, the first underclassman to win in so many years. And um, in my mind, I was thinking, yeah, I only get older from here. I only get stronger. And um, the people that were seniors are graduating now and um, essentially it should be easier from, from here on out to keep winning these things. And um I think a lot of things kind of fell into place for me. Um, a lot of external things fell into place for me that sophomore year when I won. And that's just not representative of how it is every year. Um, I wasn't the only person getting better. Uh, there are people transferring into the NCAA that were good. Um, there were people that were hurt my sophomore year that were healthy my junior year. Um, so looking back, not the worst thing that ever happened to me, honestly, maybe a good thing um, that I went through that and realized that you don't want to get like too high from any of these things that happen. Um, you don't want to like 
concludes that that you're the greatest you know that that you're untouchable and stop working hard and stop doing the things that made you successful in the first place um so yeah i think i think in 2018 i i said that from the heart and i really did believe that that was the worst thing that ever happened <laughs> um which yeah was, that was pretty dramatic um looking back now there's good and bad um yeah, my junior year wasn't what I had hoped because of how I reacted to winning my sophomore year, but um, to my whole career and development, maybe a good thing um, mm -hmm. to go through that, understand how your mind can play tricks on you and lead you down the wrong path. And um, yeah, I'd say it was a great, great learning experience. Not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I think that people can take that quote and kind of make it clickbaity or put it in the headline. But when you listen to what you're saying, it makes sense. Right. And I don't, I think it's, it goes beyond just what you're, you were saying in that quote, but man, if I look at where I was mentally and emotionally as a sophomore in college, and if you, if I won a national championship as a sophomore in college, I mean, I would have been right there with you. Like I, I would have thought that I was, I was untouchable in the yeah. sport. And, yeah. you know, I, I, it probably would have taken away from, you know, my grind and my ability to kind of get ready for the, for the next year and, and try to repeat. So I definitely, I, I mean, I, I don't, I think all three of us understand where you're coming from when you're saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think the original, like, I mean, that is what I said. I wasn't misquoted or anything. Um, and I was, I was being kind of dramatic, I guess. And yeah, I, yeah. Winning a title is nothing to scoff at. Um, I obviously, I never won another one. Um, so it is something to, to look back and not think is a terrible thing that <laughs> think it's, you know, a good thing. I'm sure when you, you eventually turned pro and you joined Bowerman too, um, being surrounded by all that greatness is also like kind of a, a reminder whether you need it at this point or not of, you know, how, how it's not easy to be a national champ and how it's, you're, you're just gonna, gonna have to battle and, and work your ass off for everything you're going to get in this sport. Um, do you feel like you've kind of, you're still like a, a young professional athlete. Do you feel like you've made the adjustment and you're comfortable now, you know, being like a pro at Bowerman that you're, you're kind of one of the guys now, or does it still feel like you're, you know, still making the adjustment into, you know, becoming who you're going to be as a pro runner? Um, I feel like I've adjusted pretty well. Um, I don't know if I'm a hundred percent like adjusted yet. Um, after one weird season, um, yeah, I don't know what a, a typical pro year looks like yet just because my only year was kind of, there's an asterisk next to it, um, for sure. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an adjustment coming here. It really opens your eyes to, you know, there's a lot of people that work hard out there and there's a lot of talented people out there and there's a big world to compete against. It's not just the NCAA anymore. Um, it's not even just the U S um, there's like, I joined the team and went from talking to my buddies in college about, you know, PAC 12s, PAC 12 championships. And I joined the team and people are talking about medals at, at the world championship and the Olympics. And it's just a different, a different conversation that the bar is just different. Um, and that's partially due to the nature of the group I joined. Um, is a high achieving group. We have a lot of power in the, the men's 5k, um, especially for us runners. Um, and people have lofty goals and, um, there are a lot of older guys on the team that have done things that I hope to, to someday do as well. Um, and I, 
and I see them work every day, like you said, and um, it makes sense why they've gotten to the level that they have because they work harder than anyone I've ever seen. Um, so the, the adjustment has been, has been fun. Um, I do feel like a little bit of that has rubbed off on me, hopefully. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's more adjusting to go. Um, like for example, uh, like Mo and Lopez, um, like I could do some workouts with them, but I, I couldn't do everything with them. That'll be an, another step, another adjustment to hopefully someday be able to train with them and be able to race with them. And if I'm able to do that, then I'll be able to race with almost anyone in the world. Um, so it's kind of cool having that type of, of talent in like in your backyard that you see every day. Oh yeah. So it, time to put my uh, tinfoil hat on here for a, a second here. I got a, a, probably the most important question of the, of the interview so far. Um, why? I mean, it just can't be a coincidence that every team you've ever run for in your entire life wears red, white, and black. Yeah. I mean, that just that just cannot be. It can't be right. I mean, there's it can't be a coincidence. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. My my middle school, <laughs> my high school, my university, and now my pro team, all the same uh, same colors. Which yeah, my my mom pointed that out actually. Uh, that was the first time I noticed and. I don't know. Red, white, and black looks pretty crisp. It looks pretty clean. <laughs> it looks um, fast. Yeah, it looks good. So maybe I'm I'm drawn to that. Um, my favorite color is green, though. So I, I don't I don't really know. Now we're gonna start getting some other conspiracy yeah, theories who's, going. Who's, here. Uh, who's got a, who's yeah, got a yeah. green singlet? You're, you're gonna see. You're, yeah, you're gonna see this headline tomorrow all over the news. Grant Fisher says his favorite color is green when asked about <laughs> uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, I, I do think the color combo looks good. And you can do a lot with red, uh, black, and white. And it always looks, like, classy. Like, it never looks, like, too outrageous. But, you know, the colors can pop. I do like that color scheme. It is yeah. nice. I do like it. it. And so, looking at your Wikipedia here, it says you were born in Canada. Is that, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. I uh, was born in Calgary. I moved to the U.S. when I was about four um i've lived here ever since uh, do, you, so, do you have do you have dual citizenship i do yeah so come olympic let the, trials let the conspiracy continue <laughs> you do you, are you have you decided which way you're going uh yeah i'm going the u.s route all uh, right yeah i know you know the canadian route is a little more a little more streamlined uh, objectively probably an easier route um but I do feel a lot more American than I do Canadian. I, I lived there for four years when I was, yeah, zero to four. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say I was like shaped by that uh, as much as I've been shaped by the U.S. system. Um, yeah, I, I went to high school here, went to school here, college. I'm definitely a product of the U.S. system, so I do feel it's right to to run for the U.S. Um, I like that. That's that's a good I mindset. I love that. Yeah. I do too, but I'm just saying, Canada does wear red, white, and black. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> I mean, I may have completely changed his mind with that, Mike. Yeah, yeah, with that new information. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I mean, I've thought about it. Um, like, I love Canada. I go back there every summer. I half all my dad's side of my family is from Canada. All of my siblings and I were born up there. Um, but 
I haven't lived there since I was four. I, I, yeah, I have Canadian citizenship and I, I do really respect my Canadian heritage, but I feel a lot more American. So Oh yeah. U.S. trials. Like that. Yeah. So Grant, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, a ton of fun. It's been a, you know, great meeting you and getting to talk to you on the podcast. We end every interview with a quick game. So Mike, why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right, down the home stretch, rapid fire questions. So for this game, we usually dig through people's social media and try and find some like clever, uh, you know, topic that we can rattle off. And I got to be honest, you keep your social media pretty, uh, pretty close to home. You're not giving us a whole lot of information there. So what we're going with, we're going way off the rails here. We're taking your last name, Fisher, and we're just going straight fish. That's your that's your down the home stretch topic. We're doing it. Trent, hit him with the first question. This is a fun one, Grant. You can go a lot of directions with this topic, um, but I'll start with one that's personal. It's actually important for me. I'm going to look for your your advice here. I have a slight like seafood allergy, maybe more than slight, but I try to power through it because I really like seafood. Is that a good idea? How slight is this allergy? Like, <laughs> like you know, a little tingle. Sometimes the throat feels a little rough, but I oh. think if I just eat more seafood, eventually I'll get past it. You're fine with the little tingles, I feel like. I thought you meant you had to go to the hospital every time. Yeah. (laughs) Seafood's great. Yeah. Definitely, definitely power through. Have like, uh, yeah. Hopefully you live close to a hospital or something in case something goes wrong, but like (laughs) power through. That's what I wanted to hear. Grant, have you ever owned a pet fish? If so, what was its name? Yeah, I had a pet um, betta fish when I was growing up. His name was Speedy. All right. All right. I like it. I feel like beta fish are the new goldfish. I feel like everybody had a, a beta fish growing up. Um, what is your favorite fish to eat? Ooh. Um, I love a nice pan seared salmon. That, Ooh, yeah. those, those are really, really good. That'd be worth some mouth tingles for sure. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I, I, would, <laughs> I would risk it. All right, are you a sushi eater? And if so, do you eat the little ginger slices between the sushi bites or do you just leave the ginger to the side? Um, I was told that the ginger slices are like a palate cleanser. Mm-hmm. So if I'm feeling extra fancy, like in between different rolls, I will eat the, uh, the ginger to cleanse my palate. But I don't, I don't really like the wasabi. The ginger, I, I kind of like the taste of the wasabi. It's like, I feel like you just eat wasabi to to tell people that you eat wasabi, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Have you ever been fishing? Yep. What kind yeah. of fishing? I feel like it's part of it's part of being Canadian, right? Yeah. Um one of my uncles is super into fly fishing. Um so when I'm up there, sometimes fly fishing. Um haven't haven't been fishing in Oregon. Um, but I've heard there's good fishing out here. Yeah. But yeah, my Canadian side, there's a lot of people that, that really like fishing. Um, so sometimes when I see them, they'll bring me a, a frozen salmon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, hit him with the last question. All right. On a scale of one to 10, how do you rate the movie Finding Nemo? Ooh. Uh, I love that movie growing up. Nine and a half. That was, yep, that was a great, great. movie. Good um, score. Finding Dory, a little disappointing. I, I think... Great. Yeah, I think everyone's nostalgia kind of got the best of them. And then it was like, wow, this is kind of an average movie. <laughs> Disney yeah, praise on nostalgia. Great movie, great movie, Finding Nemo. Yeah. 
Grant, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a ton of fun. We're big fans of you now, of you now and we're going to be uh, cheering you on into uh, 2021 and hopefully an Olympic run. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. That interview with Grant Fisher is brought to you by Bill Lap Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell Lap Boys. Look good, feel good, run good. Again, we've said it a million times, but the people we keep having on this show, you know, guys like Grant Fisher, I mean, those are the type of people who Bell Lap is trying to help. They just had another gear drop yesterday, so make sure you get to their website to their Instagram, check it out. Go get some fresh gear and help this sport out. All right, so this upcoming weekend, we got a big one. And I mean, is it safe to say that this is the biggest race that we've seen since the, the trials, since the Olympic marathon trials? Absolutely, without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> so... We have the London Marathon and finally the matchup, the KLA versus Kipchoge. There's a lot to break down here, but let's just set the stage real quick and kind of explain what's going on down there. So I don't know all the details. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on it, but basically what's happening is they've down in in, uh, London, they've kind of created, you know, a bubble type situation, you know, kind of like an NBA bubble type situation. So, there's this property where they're doing the race and it's kind of like a 2k loop marathon. So I think it's like 18 or 19 loops of the same, like, you know, mile and a quarter. I mean, that's what the race is. It's 2k loops, 18 2k loops, which is insane to me for a marathon, but for, you know, spectating could be really, really interesting. Could see some cool things. Um, And like I said, they're doing a bubble they have this massive property where uh, the athletes aren't allowed to leave that property. They get tested every single day. Anybody who's coming into that property needs to get tested. Um, So there's all kinds of variables. They have certain like hours where they can work out in certain places. So, you know, it's, it's very calculated. It's very well thought out. Um, So that's kind of what's going on there. So I, it just kind of makes it, Everything about this event is interesting, right? Because if it was just the London Marathon with Bekele and Kipchoge, that alone is enough to get the story going. But on top of that, this is like the first elite marathon that's going to be running in the COVID environment. The way they're doing it begs like a question of, you know, is this the right way to run a marathon with the 2K loops, the bubble, the COVID? I mean, there's just so many things going on here. So we're going to get into our predictions and kind of our preview, but I, I think it, it, we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of break down just that whole situation, that whole scenario as, as it stands. Right. Well, Mike, we, we talked about something similar. Well, we talked about race Island, right? So they're doing race Island. They're doing a race bubble, which is great. But when, when Kipchoge kind of went uh, sub two, we talked about how like, yeah, it's great that he went sub two, but it's not a race. So, you, I mean, we will never honor it as the, the record or any kind of record because it wasn't a race. But we also talked about, like, well, why couldn't you create a similar environment and make it 
a race. And then you could essentially count that as the world record. And we were all, I think, I'm pretty sure we were all okay with that. And so that's what they're doing here. They're creating a sterile, fast environment to get some blazing fast times, but it's going to be a race. And guess what? I'm fine with it. I love it. I want this. I'm looking forward to watching this. Yeah, could not, could not agree more with that take. Uh, we're going to get all the best, not all the best, but an elite group is coming in from around the world. I mean, and it's, it's like you have the NBA bubble, right? Those guys are there for months. You just need these guys for a couple of weeks, and it seems like all the athletes have bought, and it seems like you're hearing all positive stuff from the way they've handled it from a health side, and there's no concerns, and everything is going super smoothly. So you're getting them all into one spot um, where they're going to be able to run on this like marathon track. It's it's exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait from a television perspective to watch this. Like I don't really know fully what to expect. Like kind of like a track beat, kind of like a marathon. But I'm stoked to see what it's going to look like on television. I'm stoked to see how the athletes are going to perform out there and how they're going to approach it. Um, what kind of maybe different strategy they may take or or what moves you know come at different points in the race. Um, the whole thing is new. I'm excited to see what happens. And then you know, it's probably going to look like this at other major marathons. Uh, other major marathons are going to probably have to follow suit to this model. Um, so we're going to learn a lot about this and, and we might, you know, need to get ready for this going forward. And it may not necessarily be a bad thing for fast times and good races. So Trent, to that point, I don't want this to be the future of marathoning. Of course not, right? Like that's, this is not how marathons should be run, but I would love if we could at least have one major marathon. I'm not saying like annually, but just one that was set up like this with spectators. Cause that would be incredible. I think about it. So one, one year I went to one year I went to the Indy 500 and they have like, you know, uh, something like a, I forget how long the track is, but the track's super long and they just pack like hundreds of thousands of people into this, like, crazy environment where there's just like race cars going everywhere like imagine that environment for you know the some huge elite marathon it would be amazing so what i was gonna say and i think that's the answer to your question why don't we just do this for the world championship and olympics we just do one a year this is how this is the format for the world championship and or olympic it's if it's an olympic year every single year I mean, you're and it can be in different cities, you know, around the globe. It can be in whatever city, you know, but it's just a sterile, it's just a sterile loop to run fast. Why not? I love it. It would add, it would add a lot more excitement to those races because sometimes those races aren't even, you know, become like not even the biggest marathon, right? The world championship may not even be the biggest marathon on the calendar in like a certain month because one of the other majors is there. By adding this kind of uniqueness to it, it would really bring like attention to that event. Yeah. So here's another question that I have the the race goes off this weekend um what happens if on Friday Kipchoge goes to get his COVID test and test positive what I mean what do we do we convince Bekele not to run to postpone it so that he's fresh so that as soon as Kipchoge is good to run a marathon they can go head to head who cares who wins the London marathon we just want to see those guys run I had something I was going to say but I'm not going to say it no say Steve it. say it uh, you know what you don't say it I'll say it hide that freaking test make sure that that <laughs> test never ever ever comes out or, to you know public knowledge make sure it, it makes or, sure 
take that person out back and say, hey, listen, how much money will it take for you to never release this? The public doesn't need to know. Nobody needs to know. And hey, for safety wise, and I'm not advocating that we, you know, do this in general, but if you don't think this is happening in the NFL, of course it's happening in the NFL. It's definitely happening. yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not advocating for it. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do in this situation. Only situation, isolated situation. Hide that test. Or Mike, I'll do you one better. So you hide the test, right? You you let them run, and then afterwards, you 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 say that hey, Kipchoge tested positive for Corona, and he still ran the marathon. Therefore, we've discovered a cure for COVID nineteen, and it is being able to run a two flat marathon. That's <laughs> it's like I the like South park. It's like the South park cure for AIDS. The magic Johnson, you just inject $350,000 directly in your veins and it cures AIDS. <laughs> so <laughs> if you can run, if you can run a, a two hour marathon, it cures COVID even, even better than that. Let's say, I mean, actually that this might be the best thing that could happen to Kipchoge. Cause let's say for whatever reason, he gets upset at the London marathon then later it gets leaked that he tested positive for COVID-19. And then it's like, holy crap, the only way to beat Kipchoge is if he comes down with, you know, the most deadly virus in, you know, our lifetime. I bet, I bet Bekele and Kipchoge are out there three months ago. They went out, they got COVID just so they had that positive test, you know, for their PR person to release if things don't go well. That's like some Salazar stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, All right. well, yeah, I, I will say, I mean, this is the perfect environment for the sports books to get on board and start creating some lines for running. I mean, there's, there's never been an easier, better setup for, uh, for gambling lines than this race. And on that note, Steve, so I, th- I think the best way to go about this, right, is no particular structure. We're not going to go through every single runner, but I think I think we should all kind of go through and kind of talk about, do you have a betting line that you want to, like, put on this race? Do you have a bold prediction? And then I think we should also say who we think the winners of this race are. We should all be on the record saying who we think the winners are going to be. So I don't know. You, one of you guys want to start off with uh, with some takes here? Yeah, I'll start off. So wh- where do we put, just straight up, let's just take the, the two favorites on the men's side, Kipchoge and Bekele, and how are we setting those lines? So obviously there's a steep drop-off after Bekele, but how are we setting the, the, the top two lines? I, I was thinking somewhere along the lines, you just, go, you just go straight up, Kipchoge minus 150, and Bekele maybe plus 200. What do you think? So – I wrote down minus 180 for Kipchoge, so I'm in the same boat. But it's just crazy, you know, it doesn't feel like that's a huge favorite right there, but it's crazy that a guy like Bekele is almost, you know, one and a half to one or two to one underdog on that. But I, I think that's what it has to be. I think Kipchoge is, is kind of a big favorite here. I kind of think it also... needs to be, I kind of think it even needs to be steeper than that. You do? I really do. What would you I, put I it do. I think it's got to be minus. 250 i mean it's kipchoge i mean he does not lose i mean he's he just doesn't lose think about like any other sport right i I just i know bikaila is great i know he's you know up there in the conversation with one of the greatest runners of all time but it's 
it, so it at I, least has to be at least has to be minus two hundred odds. I, I just it, in my mind it has to be. All right. Do you want me to jump to my bold prediction on the men's side? Anybody else? Anybody else got any thoughts on this? No. Go ahead. All right. So my bold prediction: both these guys are going to lose. I, I like both. These, I, I, I think both these guys are going to lose. I think that it's just. I mean, it's setting up where I, I, I agree. I mean, like Kipchoge, Bikele, two of the greatest winners in the sport, but it's setting up for like it. I mean, this is, this is teed up for an upset. I think that this is just a perfect situation for to come in, somebody to come in and steal the show. And if I were to pick somebody, I'm going to go with the youngest runner in the field. I'm going with, uh, let's see, Shura Kitata from Ethiopia. I think that this guy is the guy that's primed and ready to roll, ready to make an upset out there. Let's see. So in 2019, he finished fourth in the, in the London Marathon with a 205. In 2018, he finished second in the London Marathon with a 204. He also ran New York in 2018. He finished second with a 206. He ran in 2019. He finished fifth with a 210. So I think that this guy, he's super young. He's got some huge races under his belt in the past, you know, two to three years. He's ready to roll. And I think that if somebody's going to upset the field, it's going to be that guy. I can't see Kipchoge not at least being there right at the end. Like the guy doesn't disappoint. He's the most consistent champion over the last few years. I'm a little, you know, I'm rooting that Bekele still has in him. He's going to be there. But to, to pick against Kipchoge, I mean, what, what has he done in the past to offer you any evidence that somehow the hype of this is going to get to him or he's not going to be ready to go? He just, he just always shows up and he always performs. What, what day of the week is it? Is this Saturday or Sunday? October 4th. October 3rd. I'm excited to see how this is. Uh, that, uh, it's Saturday, this. I think. It's I a think Saturday. It's Saturday. Trent, any given, any given Saturday. Anything can happen on race day. That's why they run the race, Trent. Kipchoge might be... Nine out of ten times, Kipchoge might win, but not Saturday. So, not Saturday. and that's why they call it a bold prediction, right? Is that that is definitely bold that this guy will be Kipchoge will be the first person to be Kipchoge in however many races. But I think for the sake of the sport, we need to root for that not to happen because we've been saying like we need to hype this event. It needs to be a big deal, but Kaylee versus Kipchoge. If neither of them wins, that's not great. It's it's not great. It's not going to grab headlines. It's not going to get people excited. I just think that it would be a bad thing for the sport. It's more than just them winning. I think we need one, two. I think we need one, two either way. I mean, we don't need it, but that that is the best case scenario is those guys go one, two. And Steve over here is rooting for some no name. I don't know what not, his deal is. I'm not rooting. I'm not rooting for anybody. I'm giving my professional, well-researched opinion, Trent. You know you'll be stoked if uh, if your guy comes in and pulls <laughs> off the upset. I will for the be. Pot next I will week. be. I mean, I, I mean that. I mean, he's got to be like plus six hundred right now, right? I mean, if that. Let me give uh, let me give my betting line because it kind of goes related to what Steve was at. Um, so I try to think a little bit out of the box here, get a little fun with with a, a fun line here. So, how big will the pack be? at mile 21 so basically mm. are we going to have like a two-man race down the front is it going to be one person that's run away with it or is there going to be a third or a fourth person that stayed up there with presumably Bekele and Kipchoge so I put the over under at, at two and a half um, thinking maybe you know 
Kipchoge and Bikaley could be the two. One could be gone, though. He can go under, and it could be just a one-man race. Or we could have, like, a real pack fighting over the last few miles. And I don't know if it's that, mile 21, mile 23. You guys can pick whatever my I best, love that line, Trent. That, I mean, see, that's, that's the type of – that's the type of, type of thinking we need in Vegas right now. When Vegas wants to start putting these bets on the board, that's what we need. That is a great bet. I love it. It's an, it's an amazing bet. I think, I think it needs to be mile 23, right? I think 21, there's still way too much race left. I think mile 23 is perfect. And that would think about how exhilarating of a bet that would be to just be rooting for like some guy who's hanging on by a thread. Yeah. It's like, you just got to make it to mile 23. Everyone's going nuts for that random. So I love it. Um, but I'm hammering the over, by the way, I'm in, I definitely am hammering on the over mile 23. If it was mile 21, I think crush the over, but I still think at mile 23, you still have three or four people. In Imagine how awesome that's going to be. I mean, see, this is, this is why I'm so pumped about this race. Imagine that we get to mile 23 and there's a pack just doing it out on this super fast course for a super fast time to win this race. It is going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Taking the other, by the way. Ooh, okay. Ooh. I, li- I, like the heavy- I like the favorites. And maybe just because I want the one too, but I'm taking the under on that. So any, anything else on the, on the men's side before we move on to the women's side? Because I got a bold prediction on the women's side as well. So I do have a bold – let's see. I have a bold prediction on the men's side. I have – I mean, we kind of talked about this, but what I have was my bold prediction is that Bekele does not finish in the top three. That is my bold prediction. Mm. Uh, and I feel pretty, pretty good about that. Guys um, – Go ahead. Before we go any further, are we? I, this is off topic right now, but are we just like over hyping the Kipchoge Bekele matchup? Because I mean, your bold prediction is not top three. I just think, you know, Kipchoge is is. We just talked to the betting line, right? And we're putting Kipchoge at, at least minus two hundred there. Uh, is it is it a little overhyped the matchup between these two guys? Like, is there a clear favorite here? Oh, I think there's a clear favorite. Oh, I think there's a clear favorite, and, and I think it is manufactured because this is the only guy who has shown any potential possibility to beat this guy. So I think that's why you have to hype it. But with that said, I mean, I just don't think, and I, I don't and, think anybody and, can. And I, I don't think um, Bekele is done as a big city marathon runner. I think we'll see him win a big city marathon again, if he keeps running the marathon, um, but I think he needs he needs the elements of the course involved now. I think he needs to be a little bit more creative. I think he's a he needs to become a little bit more of a junk ball pitcher in his in his in his old age. I don't think he's has the ability to win in this kind of flat fast environment anymore. And, and that's why I go with my bold prediction is because I think if Bekele ran for second place, I think he gets second place. But I think with this environment and what we've created as this matchup. He has to go for the win. He has to go over Bekele. Or, sorry, he has to go after Kipchoge. And I think that's the hardest thing to do in maybe, you know, sports. So uh, that that's my big bull prediction. And, you know, I'm not going to get anything crazy with the win here. I do think uh, Kipchoge wins. Um, I do not think that there is a world record. Um, just going to be on the record saying that. I think he wins in a fast time, you know, 202, 203 or something like that. 
Yeah, if I had to give a bold prediction, I don't know if I would actually bet on this, but it would be, you know, does the world record go down in this? And I think there's a good chance of it because of the the crazy course um, that they have out there. So uh, that would be my bold prediction. Even if the weather's right, Trent, if the weather's right on race day, I think I think we're going to see a world record attempt. It's going to be close. I think there's no way it's not close. Right. When you got 18 laps on it, you can get kind of like almost like you're running splits on there. And then we'll see if the guys can hold on. Uh, But. Yeah, it'll be it'll be close, I bet. So the women's side, I'm just gonna throw my prediction. And you guys are probably gonna be on board. You guys, your prediction is probably along the same lines as mine on the women's side, but I just don't see anybody even coming close to Bridget Costguy. I mean, this is just she is going to steamroll this field. I'm predicting, I'm predicting that she runs the last six to eight miles by herself and i i predict that she gets she breaks her own women's world record on the course i i think that there's going to be like a four to six minute gap between one and two here i just i mean this is this is this is you know one of the greats in a prime and she's just not going to be touched out there there's nobody in this field that's going to come close or in the world that could come close there i think you're right you go because i got things to say but you go first trent no you go first mike all right fine i'll go first i think you're right and i think your bold prediction is more likely than my bold prediction but you know i kind of decided i was going to try and you know have a little bit of a hot take here um i do think i think it's more like i said i think it's more likely that cause guy wins and in world record fashion however I do think that this, uh, let me see if I can say her name right here, Ruth Chetnitigich. Sorry, Ruth, I, I screwed that up. But listen, so I, I was reading some stuff on her, and she was kind of, so she's only like 26 or 27 years old, and she was kind of like hot in the streets, like the, mm. the heir apparent, like the next big thing and was supposed to be like the next world record holder in the marathon as a 27 year old. And then Bridget Cosguy just lit the world on fire and just took the world by storm, literally taking every, you know, major distance world record, the marathon, the half marathon. And, (laughs) and so I wonder if there was anybody I was going to bet on, if I was going to try and sprinkle some like, you know, plus odds or something like that, you had this whole quarantine, the whole COVID situation to kind of steam on over this girl, taking all your hype. And I could see her coming after it and trying to put herself back on that stage, back in the limelight, in the spotlight. I could see her there. I could see her there. So yeah. Ruth, my bold prediction is going to be that Ruth, dethrones Bridget. So, and, and, and this is what I will say. If a world record gets broken, it'll be by cause guy. No question about it. I think she is the most talented marathoner in the world. However, if cause guy leaves open a, you know, uh, a gap there and, and isn't going on world record pace, I think she could be susceptible to our girl Ruth here. Mike, and, and um, you bring up some interesting points here. And if, you know, if there were some lines on this, I would definitely sprinkle sprinkle some on, on Ruth here um, because I think it could be potential big money. But 
her only notable marathon was she won the world championships in 2019 with a slow time of 2:32. But you guys remember the the marathon world championship last year? It was miserable condition. People were running like Disgusting. their slowest yeah. times they've ever run in their career. And she kind of, I feel like she won it with with relative ease. The time's not impressive, but you can't look at that time because the conditions were so awful last year at the world championships. Mike, I was hoping you were going to agree with Steve that it was going to be a runaway. So then I could come in with my bold prediction. That's why I wanted you to go first because I kind of like where your head's at. And again, it, it's bold and it's bold for a reason. I don't have a, a particular faith maybe in Ruth over others, although you made a, a good case for Ruth. But I was trying to find the case against Bridget. Uh, and here it is. She is not in the right mindset right now. Earlier this summer, she tried to do that one hour, you know, how long can you <laughs> run in an hour thing that with Sir Mo. Um, and not only did she lose Zafan Hassan, she also got disqualified. So I don't like her headspace that that was where her focus was, you know, midway through the summer. I don't like that she lost that, right? She should be dominating that. I don't like that she got DQ'd. Not that I ever really saw a replay of it, but how the hell does that happen? So I'm not sure that she's been prepping and is in the right mindset to come out here into a weird thing and dominate. She's the best in the world by far, but this is going to be a weird event. This is going to be different. People are not going to be like staying, you know, where they normally would stay, right? With their whole crew who probably can't travel with them. Um, they're doing different, you know, runs and they're probably eating different because they're in the bubble and all this stuff. So I was just trying to find an excuse for her not to win. And I think I found it with her whole, you know, not showing up this summer. So. I got a prop bet here. So uh, the only American in this field, I thought Molly Seidel was in this field. I guess she must have dropped out. But no, she no, she's not. Nah, she list wasn't a total. Yeah, that wasn't oh. a total list. Well, Molly so um, uh, so Sarah Hall's in this, right? Uh, wife of uh, friend of the program Ryan Hall. Um, I think her personal best is two twenty two and change. Does she break two twenty on this course at the London Marathon? Oh. Steve, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I had another bold prediction. And I guess it's not the most bold prediction in the world or it's not crazy, but at the last time they raced, Molly Seidel, you know, qualified for the Olympics and, you know, beat up Sarah Hall pretty good. But my other bold prediction was that Sarah Hall will be the top American in this race. She will beat Molly. So, right, it's not, like, it's not like, you know, Bridget Cause guy loses type of bold prediction, but I still think it's a, a fair enough bold prediction. But we we don't know much about what's going on with Molly, right? I don't think she's done a ton of racing. She does, like, small stuff here and there. Um, and I kind of talked about this before. I think this is a tough race for Molly coming off of the race of her life, and now she's on in the spotlight, like, on a huge stage. So I think it's a good thing that she's doing this before the Olympics now because, you know, maybe she's getting that out. But I think following that performance, it could – it's a tough performance fall. And Sarah Hall on the other on the other page just dropped an awesome half marathon. So she we know for a fact that she's in sick shape. So I do think that Sarah will be the top American in this field. But are we and, sure, and, and with that, are we and with sure that, Molly, Molly Seidel's racing? 100%, yeah. She just posted something on her Instagram. Okay, all right, all right. I, I stand um, corrected. But I do think Sarah will go sub 220. All right. I, I'm going to take Seidel over Hall. I think, okay. I think, they're, I think that they're I, – I mean, uh, they'll probably 
they're probably going to fall off the lead pack, uh, you know, at some point, probably around the halfway mark. And they'll probably, I think they'll probably run together. I, I mean, I think Seidel's primed and ready to ready to roll if she's racing. I think they're both going to do great. Go Team <laughs> USA. I got Seidel and Hall to have big days. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Do we have any information about TV coverage? Question. Somebody's got to have information. Good news, guys. The London Marathon will be streaming on, on Flow Track. It will also be on BBC. So we could go to UK and watch it on BBC. All right. We got flow track. Uh what's our what's his name? Um our guy sent us his sent us his flow track. Yeah, wagon. that's right. So I have it so we can we can watch it. Um so the elite women will be starting at two fifteen AM Eastern time. The elite men start at five fifteen AM Eastern time. Oh boy. So this so what are we gonna do here? Are we gonna are you gonna get up early or are you gonna pull an all nighter? So now I'm even confused at what day it is. So it's Sunday morning at two fifteen. That's not Saturday night. Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday, Trent. So it's Sunday morning. Okay, yeah. Uh ooh, that depends how Saturday night goes, I guess. Ideally you have to make that a uh, go to bed early and get up for it because the men doesn't start till eight five fifteen. So that's not done till seven fifteen, seven thirty. And which means you're going to have to stay up all night. Oh boy. This is a big <laughs> ask for us Americans here. I mean, whew, Nelly. Yeah. Well, so you can get it on NBC gold, flow track, BBC. Um, yeah. Well, looks like we're having an early morning Sunday boys. So I'm going to do that like classic dad move where it's like you record it. And then it's like, nobody talks to me about the game. Don't tell me anything about the game. And uh, hopefully that nobody spoils it for me on, on what happened or what we could do is we could split it up, right? Like we could put somebody on staying up late duty for the women's race. So like Steve, maybe you're on women's race duty. So you're going to cover it and be on the Instagram for that. And then somebody wake up at, you know, five and get the men's race. So that way it peaks early still covering it, but we don't have to, you know, go the not, distance there. Not going to lie, boys. There's not a chance of hell I'm making the women's race. There is a small chance I might make the men's race. The women's race, it's just not happening. Would you be more likely to be up that late? Or I guess it's to be up that late. That's a dumb question. Um, I guess it would be more likely to be up that late. But then I'm going to bed and I'm sleeping in the morning. Yeah. Late. I do, as, as annoying as it is when the races are at 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. Eastern time, I do appreciate them spacing it out so much, right? I don't want there to be men and women on the same course during this, like we're watching, you know, the trials or something, because there's going to be a, like a lot of strategy, right? There's going to be a lot of guys just looping around passing each other. Um, and I want to be able to kind of focus on how the races are playing out. So I am, I am in favor of spreading it out. I just wish they were more considerate to us on the East coast and figured it out over there at whatever time was ideal for us. So, Trent, I think that's a COVID decision, right? You don't want the men and the women intermixing less people on the course. But it, it could be like a, a lessened learned thing, right? If it goes well and it's like, oh, we actually had an opportunity to focus on each race individually, maybe this is something we consider in the future, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope so. All right, boys, let's kick off the bell app. 
Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? All right. So I know we got the London Marathon this weekend. Uh, and I know we, you know, got NBA finals coming up, which I'm probably not going to watch anymore because the Celtics are out. And I know we got football this weekend. But just because we haven't talked about it yet, I don't want people to forget that we got SEC cross country this weekend. Let's go. So there's three meets happening this weekend that we got to follow. We got all the teams involved in at least one of the races. So just because we got other sports going on and just because we got the London Marathon to focus on on Sunday doesn't mean we aren't going to be tuned in to SEC cross country. So I'm sure there's hundreds and thousands of people who are tuning into this podcast just for our SEC takes. Don't think that we're going to get distracted you know, from all this other stuff. This is still clearly an SEC cross-country podcast. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk about. And that's what we're going to talk about next week for sure. Go Gators. Trent, what do you got for people on the Bell app? Big shout out to my mom for this Bell app. Um, and let me tell you guys why. Uh, recently, it was my birthday. And I had asked my uh, parents, that, you know, what, what do you want? I said, I could go for some new running shorts. Um, you know, I, I just am running low on some running shorts now these days. And so what I'm getting running shorts these days, you know, the, the short kind of super, super short split shorts are kind of a thing of the past. Now I'm not really fast enough to pull those off. It doesn't, doesn't really do the same thing for me as it did back in college. So I have a few of those left. Right. But I'm just kind of wearing them till they're no good, no more. Right. You know, the, the stretch loses the waistband loses stretch. It just, they get a hole in it. They're gone. Um, And I've been really just, phasing those things out uh, but for my birthday my mom just gets me like the shortest pair of running shorts that I own potentially <laughs> like these things are absolutely tiny and I thought I was done with this right I was phasing these out of the wardrobe but she just like brought a brand new parent keeps the dream alive she is keeping the dream of the short shorts alive so now I got a fresh new pair uh, that'll last me for, for years to come um, after I thought maybe I was, I was just about ready to get rid of uh, the, the short shorts. Love it. I'm all done with this, with the short shorts. Um, guys, uh, we have made the decision for this March to go fully virtual for the Irish Clover five miler. Um, so for all of those that you weren't able to participate last year around the world that listen to us, you can participate this year. So mark it on your calendar. It's going to be March, I believe the week of March 7th. So that's going to be our next virtual race. That's going to come up quicker than you think. So start training, start paying attention for more news on that. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll race together virtually. And that boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation for a sloppy with the ball like you can't just you can't make the mental mistakes they did on offense yeah. for some reason the zone just kept perplexing them 
um, and they were, were, were forcing shots and they were making bad turnovers. Um, and on defense, you can't like, you can't take a play off. I think Miami just showed you what you can do when you play balls to the wall and you play like good team basketball, offense and defense. You can be a team that maybe has better talent than you like the Celtics and that's just anything that happened here. And don't forget what I told you Just cause you're right that don't mean I'm mine Another shoulder to cry upon